This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So what we're talking about tonight is this. The title tonight is this. Guard the home. Guard the home. Let's talk about our families for a few minutes here. And you're probably like, well, how do you come up with this? Well, uh, if you know me, you know that when it gets hot, my mind goes to one thing. Christmas. And so, uh, uh, this is going to go somewhere, just I promise. So, usually around the 4th of July, uh, I, I put in Christmas music, and I'm, you know, singing about chestnuts, roasting on an open fire and stuff like that. You know, uh, just because mentally it, it cools me down and calms me and, and soothes my soul. So, it got hot this week. And um, I started thinking about Home Alone, little Kevin. Remember little Kevin? And so, Kevin, and I was, well, you know... He guards the home, and I'm like, how did a little kid guard the home? And so as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, wait a minute. Just like there were intruders trying to come in and mess up that home, I know there's an intruder that tries to come in and mess up our homes. Can anybody witness to that tonight? All of us. I don't care who you are. You, I mean, pastor, not pastor, whatever. There is an enemy, and he wants nothing more than to come in and tear up families tear up homes that is one of his number one uh things that he likes to do and it's really really important for us to put up the fight and to not let this happen because listen there's nothing stronger there's no greater threat than godly parents raising godly children that know the word of God and are going to pass it on to the next generation. That is a huge, massive, monumental threat to the enemy. And you can better believe that, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to come. He's going to come knocking on your door at some point in time. But we're not afraid, are we? We're not afraid. We're going to answer with the word of God. So I want to go ahead and open in prayer tonight. And then we're going to discuss this for a few minutes because I, I mean, I know that we need to hear this. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, I thank you, Lord, so much for uh, for the great time we've had already. Lord, we, we've uh, worshipped you. We've we've uh, felt your presence tonight, Lord. And I pray that as we enter into the word of God that you will absolutely open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to the things that we need to see, Lord. I thank you that you're going to speak to us tonight and you're going to encourage us. You're going to correct us. You're going to do all the things that need to be done to us tonight, Lord. We thank you that you are good. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The number one thing, the first thing we're going to say tonight is this. Number one is that Satan wants to attack your home. I mean, if, if there's any home on your street that he wants to attack, he wants to attack your home because chances are you're the biggest threat to his kingdom on your street. Unless you just live by a bunch of holy people, which that's great if you do, but not, you know, not everybody does. And so chances are you're probably the biggest threat to his kingdom on your entire street. And so, yeah, he's going to come and try to bring some strife. He's going to come and try to do some stuff. But are we just going to sit there and take it? Absolutely not. We're going to fight it. So let's look at a verse that probably everybody in here knows. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Because you need to know this. John 10 verse 10. You, you need, you've got to know this. This is, this is one of the, I would say, most important verses for you to know out of the whole Bible. Because so many people, uh, I mean, they're confused as to where the different situations in life come from. And if you don't know... Where the source of trouble is, 
chances are you don't know where the source of help is because you, you get, you're getting them mixed up. You think that the one that's bringing trouble, you may think that it's God or vice versa. And you just don't know what's going on. And so John chapter 10, verse 10, we know this. It says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. I come to life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so who comes to steal, kill and destroy? The wet bandits. No, it's Satan. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come that they would have life and that they would have it more abundantly. And so it tells you right here what Satan's M.O. is. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. And so if there's anything in your life that can be traced down to one of those three things, we know it's not from God. God's not a thief. God's not a killer. God's not a destroyer. He says he comes to give life. He's the giver of life and life more abundantly. And so here we are knowing that Satan is a stealer, a killer, and a destroyer. And so you think that he's just going to not mess with your family? He's going to mess with your family. And oh, let, me, let me read something here that Gloria Copeland said. I like this. I love Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. Uh, he's, he's preaching at Dr. Barclay's church tonight. So I was watching that live a little bit ago. I was like, yeah, love Kenneth Copeland. But he... Gloria said, spiritually speaking, your family is under attack. You see, it's not only one of your most precious gifts, but when it's operating in harmony, it's one of your most powerful resources. Satan knows that even if you don't, and he's out to destroy it. And so I'm telling you, your family, listen to me, it's one of your most powerful resources because when you've got a mom and dad and kids or a mom and kids or whatever your situation is, listen to me. When you are in unity, teamed up in faith, look out, man. You guys can absolutely do some damage to the kingdom of Satan. And so there is no doubt about it. It's undebatable. There is an attack on families worldwide. Worldwide. And one of the worst things that's happened to our society in the last 50 years, I mean, you can look at different things, but in 1970, the state of California, because we're innovators, we introduced the no-fault divorce law. And, you know, and, and you know, we're not, any, if you've been divorced, no one's judging you, but let, just check this out. So, up until that point in time, obviously, you had to have a cause to get a divorce, right? You couldn't just say, you know, he has bad morning breath, I don't want to be married to him. You know, I, I, he's, he, he can't even match his socks, he's a punk. I don't want to be married to him. Or, you know, she doesn't even make meatloaf. She can't even make meatloaf. I was counseling one couple, and the man literally said, I'm married to a grown woman right here that doesn't know the difference between Spider-Man and Batman. Explain that. And I was like, I know. I was like, that's, yeah, I mean, that's definitely not cool, but that's not a grounds for divorce. Like, you know, we could, I think we can work through this one, okay? There's bigger things in life. Than having a grown woman on your hands that doesn't know her comic book heroes. Anyway, so uh, but but we introduced this no fault divorce law, and I'm telling you, man, the rest of the 49 states followed suit, and since that time, divorce rates have spiked, 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 and spiked, 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 and and now obviously obviously we know that the national divorce rate is well over 50 percent. But the good news is this. And I've, I've shared this stat, so you've heard this, but uh, I heard for years and years and years that, you know, well, the sad thing is, is that the divorce rate amongst Christians is just as high as it is against people that, that don't even go to church. So, and I've, I've heard that, and I've even heard people quote and say, it's actually slightly higher. And so I'd be sitting there thinking, man, this stinks. Wow. What? I mean, that's awful. 
But then this wonderful uh, lady from Harvard University, she did a, a, a multi-year in-depth study on couples and on marriages and amongst couples that actually go to church together, we're not talking about, you know, they claim to be Christian or whatever, because a lot of people say they're Christian, but come on, you can judge a tree by its fruit, you, you know. They're fruity, but not in the Christian way. So they, 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 they're not Christians. So, uh, But amongst couples that literally do go to church together every week, that divorce rate plummets below 10%. That is, I mean, that is an astronomical drop. Why is that? Well, because if you got God at the center of it, even though Satan does come to attack, listen to me. If you've got God at the center, you're going to make it through it because you've laid the right foundation. And so this is encouragement for us, man, that God is on our side. And if you're in here tonight, you're doing something right. You, Hey, give yourselves a hand. You're doing something right. I mean... None of us are perfect, but we're doing something right. You're at least here. And I can say that as a church, if you know our mission statement, it's we're a family church equipping God's people for a victorious Christian living. And it's on my parents' heart, my dad's heart so much to be a church for families. And I cannot tell you, okay, and and we're so used to it, but I I mean, I, I really say that this church is more of a family, honestly, than any church that I personally know. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that because I go here and I should say that. I'm saying, literally, I mean, people all the time tell me, like, even visitors, like, man, our, I love my church, but it's not like that. Like, you guys are all, we, I, you know, we go to each other's ball games, we go to each other's birthday. That's just a big deal. And, and it's incredible. But why is that? Well, that's the vision that my dad's had for all these years because we're a large family. There's eight kids in our family. And, and that's just somehow that my, my parents have passed that through. And I'm telling you, I, I promise you, not, there's wonderful churches all across the world, but not every church truly is family church. Okay. And so with that being said, one of our passions is to make sure that your family makes it. I will go in the trenches. I will fight for you. I will be there. I mean, so many of you guys, you know, we, we, we've been there for each other. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I will, we will just, we will fight the devil to get your family saved and back together. I mean, I, I, I would, I would put my life out there for, to save a family because there's, there's nothing more important than this. This is huge. And so, Absolutely, Satan wants to come and do something to families. Uh, uh, we're hip to that trick. We know what he, we, we know what's up. Ephesians chapter six. Let's turn over there. Ephesians chapter six. Amen. And so, just imagine your little Kevin, the wet bandits or the sticky bandits. Now, just just know that only Home Alone one and two. If you go to three or beyond, you're like you're not you're not an American. You're I don't know. You need, thank you. I, I will preach it. One and two are the bomb. You go beyond that, then you're just, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't get it. I think there's like Home Alone 6 or something. It was, my kids watched it on Netflix. I was like, oh my God, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. That's, you're going to ruin Christmas. All right. Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 12. And so it says this, put on all of God's armor. So should you put on two pieces of it or just the self? No, it says to put on all 
of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Well, that tells me strategies means there's more than just one strategy. Okay, and one big strategy is to come in and wreck your family, to make your home a living hell. That's what Satan would love. That's a big strategy, one of many that he would love to bring against you. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against people. And that's where so many people are just, they're, they're confused. You think that other humans are your enemy. That's not the case. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so again, we repeat, people are not the problem. The devil working through people is a problem. And you've got to be able to get to the point where you can recognize this because he's going to use anything he can do to... And I'll admit this, that, yeah, uh, I'm not giving him fairly smart, and I can say this much, that if I was going to attack a society, I'd attack families. I mean, if I was, if, if I was, you know, Paul Harvey, the old radio guy, had this speech he gave, if I was the devil, I'd do the, and if I was the devil, I'd attack families. I'd break them down, man. I'd make dads split. I'd make, I'd make, uh, you know, kids hate their parents. I'd, I'd make parents ditch their kids. I, I'd make parents want, you know, drugs more than to provide for their kids. I mean, I, I would do just what he's doing because it's working brilliantly. And, and I'm telling you, if I wanted to bring a society down, I wouldn't just go to the top and, you know, try to knock off the leader. I'd start, and I, I'd start picking families off and splitting homes. And that's exactly what the enemy has done to this nation. And it's worked in his favor brilliantly. We're so confused now, we let anybody marry anything. You know, you want to marry? Oh, sure, yeah. What, this baseball bat? I now pronounce you man and baseball bat. Uh, man and guitar. You know, what, it's what, I mean, it's, it's just unreal how stupid and twisted things have got. And it's not of God. It is not of God. But that's what happens when you give the devil an end. He's going to take a mile. And so at first we open the door. You just, whatever, you know, no big read. You don't, you don't love him anymore. don't love her anymore. Just go get a new one, man. If it's broke, don't fix it. Just go get a new one. It's like a microwave. It's broken, so go get you a new microwave. Well, you don't like that wife? Just go get you a new one. She's pretty bad. And that's a lie for the devil. And it has worked absolutely brilliantly. Because look, the amount of, of, of kids... In our day and age, in our society, especially in our in our area, that you know they're hurting, man. They are absolutely hurting. And again, none of what we're saying is to make anybody feel bad or to or to to bring anything. We're just we're trying to encourage you to fight. Enough is enough. The devil tried to come in and huff and puff and blow your house down, but you're standing up tonight and you're saying no in the name of Jesus. You cannot have my family. You can't have my kids. You can't have me. You can't have my marriage. You can't have it. It's off limits to you. And of course, the word of God says that if we would submit ourselves to God, then we could resist the devil and he has to flee from us. But we do have to submit ourselves to God. And so I can tell you this, man, our homes, the Christian home should be the closest replica to heaven on earth that there is. Kenneth Copeland said this, living in a home filled with the love and the peace of God himself is almost like living in heaven right here on earth. There's nothing better than a peace-filled home. And listen, 
hey, when you got a bunch of kids, I get it. Not every moment is just perfect, total peace. Parents, amen? I know Chuck and Heidi can say amen. <laughs> you a bunch of little ones. And so, I mean, listen, I get it. It's not always, you know, quiet, but, but there's nothing better than having the presence of God in your house, in your home. You should be able to go to your house. And even if the whole world has been against you that day, listen, I don't care about them. I'm going home to the wife and kids. They're for me, and God is in that place. That's how it should be. And, and, uh, and of course, I mean, hey, we all get it that not every day has been like that for any of us. But that's what God wants. He wants our homes to be a place of peace, of love, of joy, uh, uh, of rest of God. I remember one day Henry knocked on my door. Him and Alex were going out to Barstow Station to feed the homeless or something. They wanted to invite me. And I, I appreciated the invite. But I couldn't go that day. And, but Henry opened my door and Henry's like, whoa. Can I help you, bro? And he said, man, I've never felt so much peace. I'm like, are you serious? I just had a naked three-year-old chasing another one with a wall in the backyard two seconds. But, yeah, all right. I mean, he's like, well, I feel the peace of God. And so I'm like, praise God. I wish I did too, but that's good. You know, and that's how it should be. But we need to have homes full of the peace and joy of God. And anybody could say, well, that's easy for you. To say. That's not easy for me to say. That's not easy for anybody to say. But that is the will of God for our homes to be a place of peace. It should be our palace. It should be our fortress where we can get away from everybody for just a little bit, okay? So, listen to me. You don't trust the Word of God because it worked for you. You trust the Word of God because God said that it's true. And so a lot of times, well, you're saying that, but it hasn't worked for me, so I don't think that's really God's will. So you're saying that because something didn't work for you, that your experience is more important carries more weight than what the Word of God says. I don't care if, if, if my experience told me a hundred times out of a hundred. I don't care if God's Word said that it's supposed to be this way, then that's right and my experience is wrong. God's Word is always right and I'm always wrong if, if I'm not in line with God's Word. So I don't care what our past experience says. God's will is for you to have a peaceful home. God's will is for the love of God to abound within that place and forgive and love and give another chance. Amen? All right. Number two is this. Number one, Satan's going to attack you. Number two, stop him. Stop him. Don't let him do it, man. If I told you, listen, I overheard some guys talking, they're going to come and rob your house tonight at midnight. Would you say, ah, man. (laughs) Altoids and anointing oil. There you go. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, but if I told you, hey, some guys are coming to attack your home tonight, would you sit there and be like, oh, that's, that's bad news. That is super bad. I just, okay, well, it is what it is, you know. Hey, what's going to happen is going to happen. Uh, that's not the attitude I'd have. I, I, would, I would call the police, but I'd also be uh, lying in arms, bearing arms. You know what I mean? I'd be, re- I'd be ready for those guys, man. You're going to come in and steal from my family, do stuff to my kids and my wife? No. I'm going to stop you from doing it, especially if I have advance notice. The biggest way to stop Satan from attacking your family is to love. Walk in love and forgive, 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 forgive. Amen? 70 times 7. That applies to your children. That applies to your spouse. 
That applies to mom and dad. Seventy times seven, Peter. You're supposed to forgive seventy times seven. And I can tell you this much. A brilliant piece of advice, if I may just throw this out there. I don't think it would hurt your family one little bit to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 every day. That wouldn't hurt you at all. I mean, if you're like, I don't know if that would help. Well, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> I don't think it would hurt. But I'm telling you, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, my kids know those verses because every time someone gets hit with something, something goes flying, there's debris, you know. Listen to me. We go to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Would love poke somebody in the eye with a stick? No. Uh, anyway, I mean, I've got stories for my stories because I grew up in a big family. And I have a lot of kids. Ooh, I've got stories. But Ephesians 4.32 tells us that we are to forgive how we have been forgiven. How were you forgiven? Did Jesus forgive you and then constantly bring up your past mistakes every time you did something halfway wrong? No? He didn't. Okay, well, let's look at a verse here. Isaiah 43.25. Isaiah 43.25. So, so you've you got to know this. When God forgives, He forgets, right? Is, or is that just something that we say because it sounds good? I'm telling you, when God forgives, He forgets. And so if you're ever being reminded of your past mistakes, it's not God reminding you. That is God bringing up your past mistakes. I can Because if you truly repented, He doesn't even know what happened. And I know some people are sitting, you know, they, they have guilt for things they did years ago. Listen. If you repented, it's buried, man. God wiped the slate clean. You have a clean record. That never happened as far as he's concerned. Now, of course, you know, if we've committed civil penalties and broken... I mean, there's, there's some price to pay sometimes. But God forgives and he forgets. And he is not going to sit there and keep digging up your past stuff. And I'm telling you, with your family, there's nothing more dangerous to your family than digging up their past mistakes. That is evil. That is messed up and wrong for you to sit there and bring up your kid. Well, you always do this. But dad, I said I was sorry. I don't don't care. You you always do this. Always. I remember the time that you, and you did this. Why would you do that to your children? That's nearly abusive. Listen, we are to love like God loved us. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. And Jesus has never brought up something from my past that I've repented of. Now the devil has. He's come to bring it to me and beat me over the head with it. But it wasn't Jesus. And as soon as I talked to Jesus about it, I was like, oh yeah, man, that's, I've been forgiven. Why am I even bringing that up? That's, that's, that's ancient history. No one even remembers that except for the devil. And so don't do that to your family. Don't hold their mistakes and failures over their head. That is evil and wrong. Bad, 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 bad. Bad. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, yes, I alone, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. That's pretty beautiful right there. He says, I will blot out, I I will get rid of your sins for my own sake and never think of them again. That is, I mean, that... Wow, that is that is absolutely beautiful. And and do you think it just says that? Or do you honestly think that the Lord meant that when that was put into Scripture? I, I really believe He meant that. I honestly do. I really believe that He meant, I'm going to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to blot them out. 
What is blotting me? I'm going to erase them, man. And so if there is a book of all your wrongdoings and God erased it, I mean, it's off the records. You've been exonerated. You've been given the presidential pardon. You've been, it didn't, it never happened as far as God's concerned. And so if you've been forgiven that way, we need to forgive our family that way. Now listen, we, we, I, we get it, okay? Sometimes we forgive, but then you gotta, trust and verify right you know what i mean we do have to people do have to earn some trust back but i'm not going to sit there and hold something over your remember what you did oh no uh-uh, no no way i'm not why why would i do that that's playing right into the to the devil's trap now i forgive you and again it may take me a minute to get some trust back for you okay but i i don't hate you i'm not mad at you and i'm not going to keep bringing it up because i love you amen and so i think about joseph in the old testament Talk about a dysfunctional family. They put the fun in dysfunctional, man. Nuts. They, to take your own brother and throw him into a pit, and then pull him out of that pit, only to sell him into slavery? That is rough stuff right there. And so you guys are familiar with the story. We're not turning there tonight, but it's in Genesis 45. And so eventually, Joseph, we, we know this, he becomes the second in, in charge of the entire kingdom of Egypt. And what, wouldn't you know it, his brothers come to him and just like he dreamed and prophesied all those years later, his brothers are literally bowing down, begging for food from him. Wow. And, and I mean, they don't even recognize him because he was a, you know, he was a young guy when they did this to him. And here he is. And they're, I mean, talk about the perfect opportunity for revenge. Look at this. These guys ruined your life for years. Years, and I mean, things turned out good because of the way that he kept his relationship with God. But I mean, that was pretty rough sailing for a few years there to go from a slave to, I mean, being a convicted felon in, in prison. And listen, prisons in Egypt back then make our modern prisons look like a country club resort. Okay, <laughs> I mean, you were stuffed in a hole in the ground, and and it was. Uh, it was not not even comparable to how it is now. Okay, not a, we don't want to go to prison now, but I especially wouldn't go to prison back then. It was bad, and so Joseph's life. These guys did this to him for years and years. His life was awful, and finally they come to him, bowing down, begging for food. He could have done anything here, but what does he do? We know he forgives them. And takes care of them and provides for them and, and says, go get your other, the rest of your family and bring them here. And, and, and he makes things right. How could you, why, why did he not say, you rats, hey, it's me! What's up? Who's in charge now, huh? You know, you want a taste of your own medicine? You want to go in the pit? You know, I mean, think of all the things that he could have done to them, but he didn't. And of course, from Joseph, and from his, Jacob, and, 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 and on down the line comes the 12 tribes of Israel. Comes, you know, to this day, we're feeling the effects of Joseph's forgiveness towards his own family. Now, my brothers have done dumb things to me, but they've never done that. They've never done that. So I'm telling you, you can forgive, and you have to. Because this, we talked about it Sunday, what is the bait of Satan? Offense unforgiveness not only will it it, it wreck your life but it'll destroy your home man that's like putting some dynamite under the foundation and just letting it go it's it's detrimental ecclesiastes 4 i better hurry ecclesiastes chapter 4 
verses 9 through 12. Who likes Ecclesiastes? I have water. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Now, oh man, this is, this is uh, you, you need to know this. You, you need, you've got to get this because if you're either a married person or if you're a family or, man, if you're just related to people. Anybody in here, are you related to somebody else? I've got some relation. Some I'm proud of, some I'm not so proud of. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. I'm just going to go ahead and read here. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Two people are better than one. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. But here we go. Here's where it's at right here. Here is where it's at. Three are even better. A triple-rated cord is not easily broken. And so what's that talking about? Well, listen, if you're looking at the marriage, you've got the husband, you've got the wife. That's pretty strong. That, you know, this is you by yourself. This is you with your spouse or kids. But then getting God in the mix, that, that's three right there, man. That's a trinity. That is three. That's a triple braided cord. And I'm telling you, that is not easily broken. That, the only way to, to, to break that is, I mean, if you somehow compromise one of the strands. But I'm, I'm telling you, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So if you got you, I mean, that's, that's a start. You've got to have you. But then you got a wife and your husband or you got kids or whatever the case is. Well, there's your two. But two's good. But the best thing is to have God right in there. A triple braided cord. Do I have any triple braided cords in the house tonight? All right. There we go. All right. Yeah. It's good. Good for you. All right. Number three. Number three. So you want to stop the enemy. Number three and attack him. Attack. Listen, I like defense, but offense is fun too, okay? It's a whole lot of fun to stop the opponent from scoring, to stop them from conquering, but it's a lot of fun to do damage to them. It's a lot of fun to score some points on them. And so, I'm not just satisfied from, oh, keep the devil out of, keep the devil out of our house, man. No, you can do some damage to his kingdom. Do some damage to his family. And so, you know, I think about what did little Kevin do? Did he just defend the home? No, man, he made those guys' lives miserable, didn't he? Remember when he caught the one guy's head on fire and he dipped it in the toilet full of gasoline? Did you see that? Home Alone 2. All right, well, anyway, I just, yeah, let's get to the, the Bible's more important. So, um, Luke 10, 19, if we could. Luke 10, verse 19. Yes. Luke 10, 19. So are we encouraging you tonight for your family? I see marriages in this room that have been saved through the ministry of this church, but through Jesus Christ. And not, there's, I mean, I love, I like testimonies. I love uh, healing people, hearing of people healed of cancer, of God came through in the midnight hour and, and get, got the money to them. But probably my favorite testimony is to see a family restored. I can't think of a whole lot more than that. I, I could sit there and listen to that all day long. I love for families to be healed and restored. Luke ten nineteen. it says, Look, Jesus is talking, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. 
And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. And so he says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That is super good news right there. I mean, what if, I mean, what if he said, I've given you authority over some of the power of the enemy? That's all right. Hey, cool. But he says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That is huge. Because we already saw earlier, what's, what does the devil do? What's his power to steal, kill, and destroy? So you mean he steals, kills, and destroys, but I have authority over that power, the power of the enemy? Yes, Jesus said that. And so, does that mean the devil's not going to try to come? And you, those, no, he's going to come, but the good news is, I have authority over that power, not because I'm so good, but because Jesus is so good. Not because I have it all together, because Jesus has it all together. Not because I'm so cool, but because Jesus is so cool. Jesus is all that. And he said, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. That, come on guys, that's right there. That's where it's at. You've got authority over all the power of the enemy. Ephesians 6, 17 we're, we're quickly approaching the finish line here. Ephesians 6, 17. And we looked in Ephesians 6 earlier. We're talking about uh, the armor of God. The armor of God. And so you've got a bunch of defensive pieces of armor listed. But you have one offensive piece listed. And so Ephesians six seventeen, It says this. And take the helmet of salvation... And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so, he's given you, he lists all sorts of ways here to defend yourself, to defend the home. But then he gives you your weapon. Your weapon is the Word of God. Sadly, most people don't know how to use their weapon. It's there. I mean, it, it is available to everybody. But a lot of people have absolutely no idea how to use the sword. And so, you know, the first step would be to actually read it. That's a great place to start. We're not, not being silly. Read the word. You've got to get that. And then the next way to use it, man, you start speaking the word out of your mouth. When you pray, your prayers should be full of scripture. I heard somebody say, when God looks down to earth and sees you praying, it should be like him looking in a mirror and seeing his word, the Bible, bouncing right back into his face. Your, your prayers should be jam-packed full of scripture, because you just can't go wrong with that. I mean, if, if you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues if you're spirit-filled. But also, man, just pray scriptures. How could you possibly fail if you're praying the word of God? And over your family, you need to have an arsenal. You need to be loaded full of scriptures to fight for your family. You've, you've got to be, I mean, you need to have a bunker full of ammunition. Katie's dad was telling about this guy and he's friends with an old redneck that he, he's got a lot, he's got a lot of rounds stored up for, <laughs> for when the apocalypse comes or whatever. But her dad's like, Hey, if anything ever happens, I'll be at this address. I said, okay. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's how you need to be with the word of God. You have got, and I, I, I mean, I, we could probably go up to the average family and say, what scriptures are you standing on specifically for your family? John 3.16, that's a really great one. That is a great verse. 
Philippians 4, another great verse. But I would challenge you to dig a little deeper and get some that specifically apply to your family. And uh, you know what? I'm feeling generous. I'm in the Christmas spirit. So I'm going to give you a few. Who would like that? This is your early Christmas present, so there will not be one coming in December, but you got yours in June. So some of you all double what I got you last year. Nothing times two. All right. Joshua 24, verse 15. And just write these down. I don't have these on the screen. But it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. I've got that poster right outside of my front door. Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Over one day to fellowship and they saw that and we got into an interesting conversation and they left. Hallelujah. All right. The J-dubs, I mean Jehovah's Witnesses. Isaiah 54, 17. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Come on. No weapon formed against my family is going to prosper. There will be weapons formed against us, but they're just not going to prosper. They're not going to work here. They're going to have to take that up the street somewhere. But the same thing that worked on my neighbors will not work on me because this house serves the Lord. Romans 8, 37. Romans 8, 37, in the King James, it says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The New Living says overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. And for your family, I would say every day, man, overwhelming victory belongs to this family. I don't care what goes on to every, I mean, you know, I can't control everybody else, but I can control this house. And this is a house of overwhelming victory. This is a house full of people that are more than conquerors. Here's another one for you. First John 4, 4. Who knows what that says? Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. And here's one more that I like. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. This whole thing is just absolutely incredible. But there's one that I want to find here. Psalm 91. Yes, verse 10. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. I call divorce a plague. I call children that hate their parents and parents that hate their... I call broken households a plague that has overtaken this nation. According to Psalm 91, verse 10, if I fear God, if I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, no evil will come near me. No plague can come near my home. That's pretty good right there. So I'm telling you, Psalm 91, verse 10, that's my Christmas gift to you. And so I'm encouraging you today. Amen. Guard the home and absolutely, man, have peace and joy and love in that place. Even if you got a bunch of kids, God's there, man, and it can be an awesome place. But that protect it with everything you've got. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.